Ha. Ooh ha. What's wrong? Donk Donk. That's another Australian reference. Hoo ha, Lemagraw. <laughs> Say hoo ha, bowling shine. I know, my hoo ha reference is supposed to be of the Donkey Kong Country TV show. Because that, that show intri- like introduces like the, the opening of the theme. It goes, hoo ha, hoo ha. What Donk, it is Donk. good for. Welcome to Super Peel Out, the podcast where Hot Joe's... Oh, okay. <laughs> Hot Chogs? Did I... Okay, anyway, here we go. No, wait, wait, wait. Beat me out. I'll get back in Here we go. Welcome to Super Peel Out, the podcast where hedgehogs go fast and the canon doesn't matter. That's right. The canon is reminiscent of a Linkin Park song because in the end, it doesn't even matter. I'm one of your hosts. Normus on Twitch. I'm August. I'm JT Darkman. Norm, it's supposed to be related to Sonic, but... <laughs> no, wait, wait, wait. Lincoln Park? Scrap Metal Park? Uh... Wait, I can, I can link this. I can link this to Sonic. Wasn't there a, like, a really, really old, like, Sonic social media post where Shadow the Hedgehog says that he listens to Link- Lincoln Park? Oh, yep, yep. And Lincoln that's where Park... he's like, he's like, I use my iPod and Nintendo DS. I'm one hooked up hedgehog. There you go. Plus, the the Lincoln Park soundtrack would be great on a Mega Drive uh, sound chip. So I think it's all Lincoln together. Uh, but we've got. I'm not gonna say we have quite a show. I'm gonna say we have a jamming podcast to share with the world today. We're going to be talking about Sonic Spinball, a returning feature, Sonic Tales Porky Pies. And um, looks like we got lots of uh, interesting tidbits based on the 1993, n- 1993 Smash It! Sonic Spinball. There were yeah. also some news, but nothing really happened. I beg to differ. I've got quite a bit of news to share with you guys, if you don't mind. All right, let's. Let's but can it. we do it like as a newsreel? Can I give you like just the headline and then someone goes bong and then I give the next headline and then bong? Let's try this format. Do, do, I, have, do I have to say? Do I have to say bong? Yes, exactly. All right. Okay, I can do it. I can do it. Here we go. First headline: Yasushi Yamaguchi releases new information on persistent issues in Sonic's design. Bong. Jack's specific playsets have just been leaked onto the internet, with Sonic as their main icon. Bong. <laughs> New re- revelations that uh, Sonic Origins Plus will have cover variants that resemble Genesis and Sega Mega Drive. Bong. And the last bit of news, over 10 million plays on Spotify... For the track Undefeatable, a fan favorite from Sonic Frontiers. Do I bong for the last one, or...? No, you just have to... Play, play a little, like, news trumpet for me. Alright, so... You didn't even cover the important news. Oh, well, then that you said there's no news. news. That was important. That was very important news. 
Well, hold Goss, what have you got? Well, give us your headline. Well, Sega of America unionized. Unionized. <laughs> they did unionize. They did the same thing after making fun of you. They did unionize. Um, give us, give us, uh, let, let's start off with that then, Holgas. What, what are you going to share? Well, we were discussing in the preamble that nothing's really happened yet. They just announced we're unionized now. And you said that they Trying had to make a given union. like an ultimatum, right? Yeah, I looked at their Twitter and they basically are looking for Sega of America to be, to be officially publicly or maybe not publicly but they need to be recognized by sega of america as a union i i don't really know anything about how unions work um so probably not my place to discuss um but yeah they need to they said that that's what they're looking for and they were trying to get sega to officially recognize their union by april 28th and it is currently May 1st, as we record this, so I don't know what happens if they aren't recognized, but hopefully they will be, because it seems like their working conditions would improve drastically, and they would probably be better off if they do unionize. Well, do you guys know about working conditions in East Asia? I can't say I do. They're absolutely brutal. We're talking about like twelve-hour days, and especially with like game companies, right? Um, yeah. I know a little, a little bit about this living in South Korea, but like the absolute brutality of like almost sleeping at the office. Um, you know, the the companies do their best, but there's like this old tradition in East Asia of just like um, there's a weird thing like you just have to stay in the office even if there's nothing to do. This is slowly changing in the culture, but. Um, you know, for the past 15 years that I've been in and out of South Korea, I would compare what they have to do to, like, our general working hours in Australia, and it's just like, I would never work in East Asia. It's absolutely horrible. So I would recognize the need to unionize and, and get a few more workers' rights there. But And you couple, couple that together for, like, working with game companies. Like, you know, how many game companies are just, like, famous for being notorious for, for being a horrible work environment? a lot of them yeah especially so. i like it seems like a, a lot of companies these days are getting ousted more and more for being like exposed of their uh not so not so great working environments so yeah. it definitely makes sense definitely i'm not gonna name any names i think but... it says in the article how many people are in that um, trying to get into the union, like part part of that team, the Sonic Workers team. Does it say in the article? Uh, let me check. I think they said some amount. I believe, yeah, 147 workers are trying to create the union. Well, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah, I don't know how many workers are in total at Sega, but. I'm sure a lot of people trying to get this going through are probably people that have worked with the Sonic IP in one way or another. So it is important to this specific franchise for this to go through, I feel. Yeah, well, not to understate any of the things you said, Norm, but we are talking about Sega of America here, not Sega of Japan. Oh, no! That detail yeah, this is, would have this is, yeah, this is specifically a Sega of America thing. 
Oh, I see what you're saying. All right then. This is not. I think. I think if I. I mean, I'm again. I'm probably not one to talk, but I would assume there's probably a lot of discussion right now between Sega of Japan and Sega of America's heads as to what to do about this because I'm sure they probably know about the creation of this, and I'm sure they're probably right now discussing what the best course of action is. Well, American corporations hate unions because <laughs> Yes, they do. I can I can kind of confirm that they do. For like um, no reason to <laughs> But I do think I do believe the Sega of Japan headquarters calls the shots for all of the international branches, so I think the ball's in their court. Yeah, right on. Um, well, anything else you guys want to say on that one? Yeah, it doesn't seem to be directly affecting Sonic, but IDW's basically folded. Like... Oh, yeah! I forgot about that! That is indeed news. They got delisted from the stock exchange, they laid off about 40% of their staff. So, yeah. And that, that's the company that handles the current Sonic comics, which have been very well received. It's kind of sad that uh, the Archie comics had to get shut down, and then the IDW comics kind of took in their place, because the Archie Sonic comics were um, record-holding for being the world's longest comic series based off of a video game. And then that eventually, like, they had to... I think they still have the record, but they weren't continuing on from that point once the Archie comics... Uh, stopped being made, and then they moved to the IDW comics. So it's it's sad to see the IDW comics potentially in danger when they haven't even been around for even a fraction of the length the Archie comics were. Yeah, well, Sonic Stadium says they don't think that uh, Sonic or Transformers or any of their other big brands will be affected somehow. Hopefully. It seems like mostly marketing and HR was involved. Oh no, they said marketing and PR, not HR, sorry. And editorial. It does, it does make you wonder how popular comics really are these days if they have to have such huge layoffs in that way. But again, that's probably not something I am qualified to talk about. I'm a gamer. I, I only focus 40, on the 40% games. 40% layoff is pretty massive. Yeah. yeah. But that's interesting because they then specified this includes significant managerial shakeups as well as all marketing and PR staff and half of editorial. Strange. Yeah, like all of marketing and PR? Damn. I wonder if then they're going to be bought out by someone. Well, they they have other media. They like do they have like games, television, film. Um, they also, like, the tabletop games, based on their comic book properties, so, I mean, like, there's a whole bunch of IP stuff out there, so, um, yeah, I don't know, it's weird to have a company that's just been out there since, like, 99, and it's just, like, folded on itself, and is that to do with, like, comic sales, you reckon? Don't know. I wouldn't know either. Okay. Um, alright, so can I get my first, uh, piece of news? Sure thing. Most of these are pretty short and sweet. Um, so Sega has announced like that... Sorry, say again. No, no, <laughs> it, was like, it seemed like it. 
Oh, well, Sega, yeah, Sega has announced that Sonic Origins Plus will get a physical version of the retro collection that includes, um, you know, the 12 Sonic games, including the ones from Game Gear. Um, so it's good for fans because, like, there was some outcry when Sonic Origins was originally only available digitally. Um, yep. So Sega has revealed that exclusive cover variants will exist for different regions, uh, and they will represent Genesis and Mega Drive designs. So that's pretty cool. They do look yeah. really good. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the whole old retro design of, like, Mega Drive, those, those covers are really cool. And, yeah, very nostalgic. I hope there will be a way to get different regional versions outside of uh, just going to the the place that would have it because like I I like the European and Japanese. Yeah, that's really old school, isn't it? It's so old school to have like different cover variants for different regions. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, like I told you guys recently, I just bought like the original Mega Man X two in Japan, and yeah, their C- SNES boxes are uh, vertical, not horizontal, yeah, vertical. which is pretty cool. All right. Um, the next piece of news here was concerning Jack-specific playsets. So, um, 2.5-inch scale Sonic figures have been teased on the Sonic Merch News Twitter account. Um, the Jack-specific playsets will be based on uh, Star Dust Speedway and the Death Egg, featuring Metal Sonic and Death Egg robot sets, respectively. Um, there's not much details out there right now, like there's no pricing or release dates, but it's possible that more information will be shared uh, during the next Sonic Central presentation, which is uh, typically in May or June. That's true, we are a bit due for one. What are, like, you already you already knew what Jack Specific was? What do they generally do? They make toys. Um, I don't know, I, I, I think they just make toys. Okay. Um, I'm not really a big toy collector, right. but I definitely am a bit versed in the kind of like toy collector. Right. I guess brand well, a, a terminology. Quick Google search will show that like they're pretty cool sets to be honest. Like Mario is the first one um, that pops up, so we dare not talk about them too much. But they've also got like um, the Invincibles playset. Like it's a whole set with a background and stuff, which is really interesting. I didn't know toys came in this format, but um, the Sonic one, I'm assuming, is going to be for the Sonic 2 movie. Probably. There are a... There are a lot of really interesting Sonic toys out there, actually. I didn't really have that many. I want to say... I don't know if it was a Jack-specific figure, but uh, one of my favorite things I had as a kid, and I still have it, but it's all broken up. It's sad. Um, is I had this big figure of Metal Sonic, and uh, the the sort of like attention to detail they put on it for a kid's toy was pretty good. The only problem was like the the articulation, like the actual movement on the figure, uh, was a bit stiff, and that's why it eventually broke. Is because they would it would be so stiff that you couldn't move it, and if you tried to move it, oh, it just I popped see. right off. It's more of a figurine um, oh. than it was a toy. Yeah, so I had uh, <laughs> I have a Metal Sonic in my in my game room, and he just doesn't have cool. legs. I don't even think yeah, I think he has only one arm too. So he's more Terminator than he is Metal. Yeah, Sonic. I have him with all my like. It's funny because I have I have him with all of my sort of like scrap pieces for like game systems that I need to, that I use for like just scrap parts. I think okay. I, I think 
having having a broken metal Sonic in there fits the uh, fits the kind of. You should roll with it. You should like upgrade it so it's got wires coming out, and he's like crawling in like Terminator One style. You know, that's, I feel like that's too scary. <laughs> I would love that. They blend together two of my favorite IPs, Terminator and Sonic. So, next bit of news. Um, this is the part about uh, Yasushi Yamaguchi. Um, he's. Do you guys know who he is? I think so. The original designer of Tails. Oh, that's. Uh, I, I, it's funny. I don't know. I don't know him by his real name, but I do know him by his pseudonym. Or like, wasn't it pseudonym? The your like fake. Yeah, yeah uh, which is Judy Tatoya. Oh, okay. I didn't know yeah. That. Um, yeah, you're right. Judy Tatoya. Uh, game designer and artist. So this is very funny because to me this article almost seems like maybe he's a bit spiteful of Sonic's design because he wasn't <laughs> originally part of it. But um, as you guys know, like Sonic had very different designs in the US and Japan during the 90s. But very, very recently, Yasushi, who created Tales, revealed that Sega Japan had persistent issues with Sega America's take on the mascot design. Particularly, drumroll, with Sonic's crooked legs. If you go back to, like, the American box art, Sonic's legs are a bit crooked, right? Yeah, they're so, like a bit squinted. Yeah, he's almost doing a squat. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Yamaguchi made this revolution revelation while discussing an early Tails looks and color designs and expressed confusion about media created with Tails design based on a super brown sprite, which he quickly discarded after being unsatisfied with the design of brown tails. Yamaguchi was shown photos of Sega America marketing materials featuring a brown tails based on the old design, and so he revealed that Sega team kind of ignored his design notes that he sent to them. So that's pretty interesting. But Sonic's co-creator, Naoto Oshima, Mm -hmm. was apparently a big fan of the bendy legs, (laughs) which I find hilarious. And Yamaguchi mentioned that Sega Japan did not have the resources to manage the company's designs until after the release of Sonic CD, which is probably why there was no cohesion between the East and the West concepts that they were putting out there and later came into final design choices. So that's interesting that, you know, the whole, like, of the two two major designers of the Sonic characters, one of them loves the American bendy leg version and the guy that created Tales is like, nah, that's crap. And also the whole brown fox thing, which leaks into um, Saturn, yeah. you know? Yep, yep, That's yep. pretty cool. What do you guys think? Do you like Bendy Leg Sonic? I I always thought Bendy Leg Sonic looked a little weird, not gonna lie. Yeah. But I just kind of accepted it as, like, a weird stylistic choice. Um, it is kind of cool, though. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I'm on the side of it. It's kind of cool. Although I hate brown tails. Like, even yeah, I Saturn, always like orange tails more than brown tails. Even go yellow. Like, I don't know. It, it just, it's, he's just too regular. He's just too yeah. much of just a fox if you make him brown, right? Well, speaking of blown out colors in early artwork from, like, compression and stuff, did you, uh... Hear about the um oh god what's his name Pokemon yes the Pokemon and Sugimori one. yeah the Sug- the Sugimori uh watercolor art yeah 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 I heard about it I must have posted it in my server yeah because uh, it's quite interesting <laughs> give me the rundown uh so 
Basically, you know how Ken Sugimori, the creator of Pokemon, had in Generation 1, there was all those like really cool watercolor art that was mm -hmm. like, yeah, of all the different Pokemon. In uh, the West, some of those images got really blown out and um, got distributed with like really bad colors. Okay. So, yeah, that caused a bit of <laughs> interesting confusion, particularly with like Ivysaur, who, um, oh. yeah, was apparently always supposed to be green, but some images came up blue. <laughs> oh, so... okay. Because it is very aqua, like teal in the middle. Yeah, so some of these are quite interesting. And I mean, of course, we know that Ivysaur is green, but just this old, like, blown out art is kind of nostalgic because, you know, we all grew up looking at it. And then it's like, oh, actually, it wasn't supposed to look like that at all. <laughs> it's quite interesting. Yeah. Okay. I love the to tie it all together, I'm glad that I. I were there hedgehogs you know, in um? Oh, you. This is a real thing you have. Okay, I thought you were riffing. <laughs> no, no, this is a real thing. To okay. tie it all together, Ken Sugimori is also quite the huge Sega fan, and he oh. has drawn Sonic on multiple occasions. He even drew the box arts for the Sega 3D Classics compilations, which oh, prominently cool. featured Sonic. His Twitter handle is also Super32X, which is the Japanese name of the 32X. He's a, he, is a, he is a real one. I really like that box art of Sonic. That's really cool. I've never seen it before. Yeah, there's a, that's the second 3D Classics compilation. The other two I don't think... Well, I think one of them has Sonic. Yeah. Um, I like how Jeju just pulled but, yeah. out of his butt on a whim. Hey, check out these two pieces of art I have in my pocket that Kensuke Mori made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's very specific. Here are some other Ken Sugimori Sega art. Oh, it's really retro and cool, isn't it? Yeah, because that's for the uh, those are compilations of the Sega 3D Classics games on the 3DS, um, which yeah. are really good uh, emulations and ports. Like they did a really good job. Like they put Sonic One and Two on the 3DS, and there's like 3D. And so you know how like in uh yeah. in Sonic 2 and like Sonic 1, you know like you know how, like in Emerald Hill Zone there's like all those uh parallax things in the background like those mm -hmm. those green like things that scroll. I don't even know if they're supposed to be like trees, I guess. And like the the ocean in the distance. Like they ch they they have it so that all the parallax layers are at different depths in 3D. So you can just really like look into the background of um the the games and also like for Sonic One like Green Hill Zone they even have it so that some of the palm trees are in the layer in front of Sonic and some of them are behind so it kind of gives like a sort of sense of depth. It's actually oh, they're really good yeah. ports. They're really good ports. I would highly recommend playing the Sega 3D Classics on okay. the 3DS. So I have never heard of this series. So I assume like. I mean, on Atrocity and Joel 2, it didn't get localized past the first one. Uh, Sega 3D Classics? Yeah. Um, so all of them are... They were all individual... Okay, wait, actually. Um, have you know about the Sega Ages lineup on the yeah. Switch? It's basically, like, that's like that's kind of a continuation of the 3D Classics games. They were sold on the eShop for 3DS, piecemeal. You could just get one game, uh, one game a pop for uh pretty much all the titles like that 
And then these are the compilations of those, so, like, you can just get them in bundles. And there were three of them. In the West, we only got the compilation for two, but all of the games, I think, and all of them were sold individually across all regions. Though I think there are a couple games that are exclusive to the compilation titles. Like, I want to say they, they did, like, Master System games in 3D. Like, because, like, the Master System had, like, the 3D glasses expansion. And they ported those games to just work in 3D on the 3DS. And I know that on the last one, if you have save files for the previous two compilations, you unlock bonus games um, of, I want to say, Champion Boxing, which was Yu Suzuki's first game he made at Sega, and then Girls Garden, which is Yuji Naka's first game that he made at Sega. And, like, they remastered them in... Well, remastered in air quotes. They're emulated, obviously, but they're in 3D still. So it's... They're very good compilations. And, uh... I mean, whether you play them individually through their individual releases or if you play them in the compilations, like... I cannot recommend the this series, the Sega 3D Classics, That's enough. Cool. Does it pretty really work really well, well on those old games? Yeah, no, they make it work so well, like... If you play Space Harrier in 3D, oh, it looks incredible. Or, like, OutRun. They did arcade games, and then they did some Mega Drive games. So, like, yeah, there's, like, Sonic 1 and 2. They have Streets of Rage 1 and 2. The Puyo Puyos. Echo the Dolphin. The Shinobi games. Ah, they're great. They did Gunstar Heroes in 3D. It looks fantastic. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I'll just give my final piece of news. This is all I have for news, but, um... This is the one about um, Sonic soundtrack being uh, absolutely killing it on Spotify. So um, you guys know Sonic Frontiers, obviously, but despite the mixed reception, fans seem to agree on one thing. The game's soundtrack is fantastic. Uh, The soundtrack features memorable music ranging from beautiful piano themes and emo-inspired boss battle music. Uh, The track Undefeatable is a fan favorite with over 10 million plays on Spotify. Um, the track has vocals by Kellen Quinn. Um, he is from Sleeping with Sirens. And, um, yeah, like, just the the whole track seems to be, like, absolutely killing it. The quality of the soundtrack is evident, given the fans continue to enjoy the music on platforms like Spotify and YouTube. While the game's music didn't receive a nomination at the Game Awards, it's great to see the tradition of uh, Sonic's great music continues. Um, side note... There's going to be DLC for Sonic Frontiers coming up that will have a jukebox, so you can listen to those 40 tracks in the game itself. That's good. Um, I mean, like, surely the game hasn't sold 10 million copies. I don't think the right? game has sold 10 million. I Didn't they actually just release sales numbers? Like, what, what, didn't, didn't they just find their, like, the didn't Sega just drop their, like, fiscal really? report, and they just dropped okay. sales numbers? I want to say, yes, I don't know. Yes, it is further up in the chat. That definitely goes with the tradition that we were talking about in the last podcast, how, like, the games, you know, they may not all be uh, slappers, but their soundtracks are often fantastic, right? Yes. Um, the, the one thing I did want to say is I believe the update with the jukebox has already been out for a little while. Oh. So. Yeah. So... Uh, they said that Sonic Frontiers sold over 3.2 billion units. Oh, it's not bad. And in total, Sonic Games sold 8.15 billion units. 
That's much better than I expected, to be honest, for a game that has mixed reception. <laughs> like, do you remember the old days where, like, if a game sold over a million, it was like, it was like platinum. You know what I mean? Now, yeah. Nowadays, a game can sell millions of copies. Yeah, again, and the company will be all like, "Well, it didn't reach our expectations." Yeah, that's crazy. I wonder if that's because costs go up or something. But yeah. Anyway, any news, JT? I believe I believe everything that, to my knowledge, has happened has been covered. In the chat, I posted all of those uh, slides from the shareholders' presentation of like oh, yeah. Rovio and sales. It doesn't really say anything, honestly. <laughs> it's just like shareholder crap. Nothing we didn't already know. Just numbers. Numbers. As long as Sonic Team's still pumping out games, I'm happy. Well, didn't uh, this is I think older news, but didn't Izuka get promoted to a much higher position in Sega? Oh yeah, we discussed that last episode. Yeah, so like, I think they've noticed the the good sales of Sonic Frontiers and are willing to give the series the attention that this could be a resurgence, huh? We got it really could be. I've yeah. heard it's been it's been quite a hot minute since I've been this optimistic for Sonic. Well, Sonic Prime as well, right? So, I mean, there's all yeah. all forms of media. Kids, like, you know, I, I still occasionally work with kids, and every kid still knows Sonic, which I think is crazy. He's the one character I can speed draw, right? But kids like, ah, oh, Sonic! Like, it's amazing that he's just, you know, this really could be, as we said, a resurgence. Pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, he is a character that will never die. Because I feel like if he was a character that could die... He would have died a long time ago. Like, because I don't think many, many other sort of characters or properties, series, I guess, can really song. survive uh, the amount of low lows that the Sonic franchise is. Yeah, had, I mean, is this is what I always game. say, right? It's amazing how successful he continues to be completely based on a cool design. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's what Sonic has going for him. Like, the games may be inconsistent, but the design is just banging. Yeah. A concept of Sonic will be eternal. Hell yeah. I mean, heck yeah. Do you guys want to get into Sonic Tales Porcupies? Your thing? I only have one. I think, do we only have one one per each of us, or...? Uh, I haven't thought of one, honestly. <laughs> I have a bank filled with this kind of stuff that I'll <laughs> always be able to pull out. But um, I try to isolate the the good ones for you guys. The good ones. I separate the good ones from the Elvin and the Chipmunks references. Don't know what you're talking about, mate. Um, so, Holgast, roll the theme. Oh, do we have a theme? I thought Norm was the one that sung the theme. Yeah, what's the theme, Norm? Yeah, but you're doing a cover of it today, Holgast. Did you forget? What? Did what? You decide on this. What do you want about? Okay, I'm just making this up on the spot. But don't you want to try a cover of my fantastic jingle? What? You mean I'm the gonna... one that just got did roses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Which Guns N' Roses song? <laughs> Is Welcome it that to I've the forgotten? jungle. Oh, if you told me to do it, I would have tried to make like a like a sweet child of mine, like yeah. Sonic Tails and the Porky Pies. Hell yeah. We gotta come up with something. With I'll I'll make something. I like doing this kind of stuff. Anyway, I'll just do it. 
Welcome to Sonic Tales. We've got Poggy Pies. Can you distinguish which is which? Let's get into it. Awful. All right. Thank you very much, Normus. Uh, let's get you into it, guys. Could have, you could have rhymed it there. You could have went like, it's a Sonic Tales, this is Porky Pies. Yeah. Can you pick out the truth which from the lies? Ah, opportunity missed. Um, look, I'll make up for it with fantastic trivia. Um, if All you right. guys are first-time listeners, this is the segment where I will be telling a Sonic tale, not spelt like tales, but T-A-L-E, um, or a porcupine, which is Cockney slang for a lie. Can you at home guess which of these trivia points are fake and which one of them are true? Let's get into it. Um, number one, start strong. Um... What do you guys think? Number one, um, in Sonic Adventure, so JT, this is up your alley, I like the character game. of Big the Cat was added late in development as a result of a bet between two designers over whether they could make a fat cat character work in a Sonic game. Sonic Tail or Porcupine? Hmm. That could go either way. I think Big was added late in development. Uh, but I think he was just added in because the designers really like fishing. I thought that the reason why they put Big in the game was because the Sonic Adventure was supposed to be a sort of, like, doubling both as a Sonic game as well as just a showcase for what the Dreamcast can do. Mm. And I recall they wanted to put Big's fishing in just to keep the gameplay diverse. And just have a lot of different game modes. But whether or not that uh, ties into them making a fat cat because of a bet, I don't know. Mm. I'll say, you know, I'll say Porky Pie. I will also say Porky Pie. Oh my god. You know what, guys? This is, in fact, a Porky Pie. Hey. Hey. I am going to keep count for you guys. You have both one one um, fist bump. That's that's the point system we're using. You have both right. got a fist keep bump, or a, I should have made it a pie or something. A meat. You you have a meat pie for a successful and a fruit pie because no one eats those in in Australia. Uh, if you get it wrong, that's going to be very hard to keep track of. Anyone moving on to How the next one? A cream pie, like <laughs> like the one that goes in your face. Very good. You know, like okay. the cloud shows. Yeah, yeah, I'm I know. Not being dirty. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about the dirty joke until you said that. Huh. Ah. <laughs> uh, um. Yep. But I'm not. I'm never gonna say the full sentence. Like you know, <laughs> this is your prize. You get up. Jump, jump, jump. Anyway, are you guys ready for the next one? Good thing. All right. The crescent-shaped marking on Knuckles' chest symbolizes the moon, whilst the circular patch on Sonic's stomach symbolizes the sun. This was done for the sake of making them contrast more. Okay, well, look, we know that, like, Knuckles was made, like, three years after Sonic. Mm -hmm. uh, there has been a lot of discussion about what his uh, marking means, I think it's supposed to be like a necklace or something like that. So it's a I'm Nike gonna... reference. Oh, no, no, don't start on that. 
Uh, I'm going to say it's a porcupine. Uh, I, honestly, I feel like I want to say Sonic Tail just because I want to believe it's true. I mean, I feel like they probably could have made it like they could have retroactively said like, "Oh yeah, the big circle in Sonic, that's the sun." So you know, screw it. I'll I'll say Sonic Tail. Um, this factoid is in fact uh, uh Sonic Tail. It is correct. Oh, if yeah. you go and look. At old designs of Sonic the Hedgehog, you can see, I'll just uh, show it to you guys, you can see some of the outlining that the designers have to contrast Sonic and Knuckles. And there is actually, it is referenced, the the Knuckles little emblem, whatever you want to call it, is the same as what a moon bear has. So that may be, in fact, where it comes from originally. Interesting. Olgas, you still have one meat pie. JT, you have two meat pies. Um, number three. Um, you guys are fan of the uh, fans of the Sonic movies, right? Yeah. Uh, you could say that. Well, you know Ben Schwartz, right? Did you ever uh, think that his voice was a bit off? Um, that is because oh, um, his original voice actually switches up, it changes between Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 a little bit. So the filmmakers use a technique called time stretching so that they can manipulate the speed and the pitch of the voice to create a more consistency between the two movies. So they used software to modestly modify the recordings, um, resulting in what we hear in the second movie. Um, This technique was actually first used by animators way back in the 50s, um, and it had a resurgence for Sonic 2. Okay, I'm going to say this is a porcupine, and you're actually referencing Alvin and the Chipmunks. This is 100% Alvin and the Chipmunks moment, porcupine. What? what are you guys talking about? You guys are crazy. So you're going to lock that in, porcupine? Yeah. Yes. Guys, you might be shocked to learn that this is, in fact, a true fact about Alvin and the Chipmunks 2007. Um, they raised... In case you haven't noticed, they raised the speed and the pitch of the uh, chipmunks in that movie, but um, congratulations, both of you. It's <laughs> That's pretty obvious. That. I wouldn't have guessed. I oh, thought they just sounded like that. Yeah. Um, We're up to you now, Norm. <laughs> you can't Alvin us. You're Alvin immune, no. We're catching on. <laughs> Alright, um, let's see. I'll give you one more. Uh, should I draw from the Porky Pies or the Sonic Tales? Let me take a look. Okay, how about this one? Knuckles' design was originally dinosaur-like, and this was actually directly influenced due to the popularity of Jurassic Park back in the day, but they didn't follow through with uh, the Jurassic Park-style uh, homage. Sonic Tail, Porky Pie. This sounds so stupid. And I haven't heard anything though. about it, so I want to say it's a porcupine. That sounds believable, though. I would... But now like... the question is, what year did Jurassic Park come out? Was it 94? You're not allowed to help each other. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I do know that there was a Mega Drive Jurassic Park game, so it has to be within the same time period. And they're both... Both Sonic 3 and Jurassic Park are the... They're old enough in the Mega Drive's library to have the the red stripe on the U.S. Genesis cover. So, it must have came out around the same time. Um, 
It's probably a porcupine, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a Sonic Tail. I think I'll say porcupine. I'll be with whole guest on this one. We'll ride together. Ride or die together. Sorry to say, but you guys will be dying together because this is, in fact, a Sonic Tail. Really? Yes, a uh, Sega of Japan magazine uh, released some information regarding Knuckles' design way back in the day. And it does say, in fact, that um, if you translated the Japanese into English, his original design could uh, was almost dinosaur-like due to the popularity of Jurassic Park back in the 90s. It does, in fact, say Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. There you go. Jurassic Park. They should... They could... <laughs> Are you reading it? Oh, その後デザイン担当のえ、ショ、ダーフレイ。ウェブウェブウェブ。ユ、ユダンシに寄っていに、え、ファイン、ファン。さあ、アメリカ人、え、ポイ、え、ポイムのトレ、え、ドレッド、
<laughs> hey, we're talking about Pengo, not Pingu, right? The peng- Pengo. P-E-N-G-O. Okay. I, uh, I don't believe it. I will say it's a... Because you stumbled over your words, I'm going to say it's a porcupine. Well, I will say that it is a sonic tail. Oh! Here, here is the model found in the game's files. Pengo was supposed to show up in the Aurora Icefield stage, but oh, wow. for some reason does not. And here is the lad Pengo himself. And the reason why I stuttered over my words was because I learned this fact um, earlier in the week as I was uh, I was playing because Pengo shows up in just a bunch of random Sega stuff. Like, they love to just bring this little penguin guy back. And so I was, I decided, like, oh, I'm going to actually play the original Pengo game. And then I played it, and it's a pretty fun little, uh, it's like a game where you push around ice blocks to crush these little bad guys. And you're just a penguin. I it's might have like... played, oh, my voice cracked. <clears throat> I might have played um, a Game Boy game of Pengo. He looks slightly familiar. Um... Yeah, and so I was, I was really, learn- I was really like trying to figure out like the the Pengo strat. And while looking into the Pengo lore and like just Pengo stuff, I found out like, oh, he's in Sonic the Fighters. And then I'm like, there you go. Perfect he's not stable though. He's background character, right? He he's not even he doesn't show up in the actual. Oh, game. the model the is just in the ROM. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, very he was supposed to show up in the background, but he does not. Back in the day, that would have been such a waste of resources when you have absolutely no space on the chips that you're playing with, you know? Yeah. I don't know why they, like, they fully modeled him. I don't know why they didn't just plonk him in the background. The artist is just crying. All right, Holgas, you got one? Uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Neither of you have played Sonic Chronicles. So I, I have not yet. a thing about Sonic Chronicles. Oh dear. In Sonic just... Chronicles, the Dark Brotherhood, uh, the Geysoids return, which are uh, the robot model of which a Merle is one. I want to say, I want to say that's a Sonic tale. I think... Gozoid? I think they're NPCs, but I could be wrong. Or like shopkeepers, or maybe those are Chow. I could be mixing these up. I'm gonna say Sonic Tail. The Gizoids, right? The what? What are they called? The um, the mechanical yeah. robotic Mega Man looking guys. Yeah. Yes. Um. God. Because it's Bioware, it feels like they might do something like like it just fits into like a lot of Bioware properties. The design of the Gizoids. Uh, I am going to say Sonic Tail. It is in fact true. I just happened to be reading this article. I was like, yeah, okay, I'll use that as my fact because I completely forgot it was in the game. Aha! Gizoids are in a, a lot of Sonic games, though. Like uh, non, like uh, how can I say non-mainstream Sonic, um, Sonic-related stuff like uh, Sonic and Mario at the Olympics. He is in a bunch of those games. Um, what else? Yeah, so, like, Brotherhood you mentioned, and he's in Super Smash, did you know that? As a sticker? Uh, maybe. <laughs> Isn't he... I they don't didn't remember. give him a model, but... 
Yeah, should be in Smash as a sticker in uh, Brawl. You you have you played Chronicles Holgast? Yeah, I finished it. <laughs> you said that was such disdain. <laughs> I've heard it's not a very fun game, but I want to play it. It is a I game. Did... It it's, is a game. Is that your review? Yes. It, it exists, and after about five hours, it ends. Basically, yes. Five hours? Probably more like I think it's isn't that game like twenty hours? Oh god, I don't want to know. <laughs> Alright. Well, that's pretty good. We've all had our run. Anyone have any more, or should we go on uh, to our game feature? Let's keep the ball rolling. Alright, well, Sonic Spinball. Um, anyone out there who is a little bit on the young side and don't know, doesn't know about Sonic Spinball was in fact released for the Sega Genesis in 1993. Um, not developed by Sonic Team. In fact, it was... Sega Technical Institute. That's right, yeah. First Sonic game to be developed in the United States as well. Um, very unique combination. In preparation for the podcast, I was looking through gameplay and stuff. It's really interesting. I I really forgot, like, I played it as a kid quite a bit, but I forgot about those elements in the game that are not actually pinball-esque. Like, you can move around as Sonic in quite a bit of the game. You know what I mean? Um... But, you know, very unique. It was heavily influenced by the popularity of pinball games in the 90s. So Sonic Desire... Sega, uh, I misspoke. Sega had a desire to create a game that would appeal to both Sonic and pinball enthusiasts. Um, it was actually... Do you guys know this? Sonic Spinball was actually supposed to be a game based on an animated uh, television series. But the show was cancelled. Um it's the adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. So they decided to retool what they had already done into um, their... like. So if I'm confusing you guys, like the design of Sonic was supposed to resemble the cartoon in, um, in Spinball. But since the show ended, they went back to the classic Sonic design, which is interesting to know. Well, there are parts of the game, like the bonus stages, where you can yeah. see like references to the cartoon. They it is very Sonic Sad AM inspired, um, both just visually in terms of like because it's Sonic Spinball is a very dark game. I'm not saying yeah. like like tonally, but like like palette wise. Like instead of what I what I always knew like what always struck out about that game to me playing it both for the first time as a kid and still now is like. Think of the first level in the Sonic game. Because normally when you think of, like, the first level in the Sonic game, you think of these sunny, uh, little green, vibrant, colorful, very happy, you know, these levels. Or if you're even thinking of, like, a later, like, the adventure games or, like, Heroes or whatever, like, there's, like, a beach or, mm. like, stuff like that. Like, you're usually thinking of the sunshine, the Sega blue skies, you know? Uh, but Sonic Spinball opens in a dirty, dark, gross sewer. Oh wait, take but take it backwards. Like that intro cinematic, we got to talk about that. Do you guys have you guys seen that? Yeah, you get shot off your plane. And you... So, little another fact about uh, Spinball: it's the first Sonic game to have full motion video sequences. And um, if you can I don't imagine, know what you call that full motion video, but te- technically, it's a you'd have to. Scene. Yeah. But, you know, Sonic flies in, um, the Tails plane gets shot down, and Sonic jumps onto Robotnik's evil lair, which is apparently, like, an island. As, I wonder if this has ever been seen again, like, that Robotnik lair. The pinball island? Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, to my knowledge, uh, here's where my useless Sonic trivia comes in handy. Um, I do know in the Sonic compilation or the Genesis compilations on the PS2 and PS3, they specifically make like a a note in the uh, the descriptions of the game. Like they make fun of Robotnik saying like, "Really, a pinball for- fortress? That was oh, the best you yeah. could think of." But as for actual references of the Pinball Island, um, I believe it is in Sonic Origins. Um, if you look at... Because Sonic Origins has this very, very cool-looking 3D dynamic. That is the world's smallest image I've ever seen. Um, there is, like, a dynamic 3D menu, and it's all rendered in the Hedgehog engine, which is the same engine that they use for all their other Sonic games, uh, which I think is funny, because it's just for a menu. I think, actually, they had, like, Sonic Frontiers assets in the game, which is funny, because the game came out before Sonic Frontiers, and they were like, why are, why are these in the, uh, why are these in the game? Yeah. Um, but, basically, it is a 3D representation of each of the worlds for each of the Sonic games. And for the mission mode, it is the Pinball Fortress from Sonic Spinball, and the museum mode is the oh, island from Sonic yes. 3D Blast. So it did make a comeback. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Which is a bit strange to say, though, considering the fact that neither the Mega Drive version of Sonic Spinball nor Sonic 3D Blast is going to be in Sonic Origins, even if we consider <laughs> it Sonic Origins Plus. Good point. I um, thought they were going to just add the Mega Drive games as well as the Game Gear games, but... We yeah, just why wouldn't you? Just do it. Game Gear, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a bit bizarre, but... But, uh, I, yeah, the le- I, I've always felt it had a cool design. Um, and, yeah, so that intro cinematic is pretty cool. And, as you mentioned, the first level is this... Um, even as a kid, I remember it being, like, a little bit off-putting. The first uh, level is just, like, this sludgy, toxic waste, sewer-esque kind of yeah. uh, stage, what do you think? Not at all what you would expect from a first opening stage in Sonic Spinball, which also, I mean, okay, when I was a kid, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I really did not like Sonic Spinball as a kid. Like, it was not <laughs> yeah. one of my favorite Sonic games. It's it really hot. Took, it yeah. took a lot of time for me to actually grow to appreciate this game because for the longest time... I was like, this game sucks, it's difficult, it's not very aesthetically pleasing, the music is alright. I wasn't even that big of a fan of the music, I thought it was okay, um, which is a bit of a hot take nowadays. And I was like, the game, I don't like how it plays, I don't like how it looks, I do not like the Sonic game. But as time goes on, I've warmed up to it more and more. But I feel like there's a lot of people... A lot of people out there, especially considering how frequent this game shows up in compilation titles, that probably never will spend enough time in the game to appreciate it in the same way as I feel we do. That's interesting that Um, you say that you felt like it was ugly, because I feel like the art in this game is way more detailed and has way more personality than the other games up to this point. Really? Yeah, it's just different. And I, I mean, mean, there is something unique to the art. I agree with that, yeah. It's, it, I think, there were, it, okay, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think 
there were many other fully Western-developed Sonic games. I think there were a lot of attempts to get some. Like, I recall they wanted to make a Sonic Sad AM, like, like a whole game based on Sad AM, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they wanted it to be a Sonic game that wasn't centered around really going fast as much as it was, like, they wanted to make, like, a stealth game, like an adventure game, where it's, like, a what? stealth game where you, okay. like, you sneak around through SWAT bots, right? And uh, you have to, like, so you, I think you, like, throw rings. There's prototype footage of it exists. I don't think the ROM has been dumped. But um, if I recall correctly, it got canceled because they sent it to Sega of Japan for approval. And, like, I think Yuji Naka himself, the man himself, saw that and was like, this is not Sonic. And he put the whole right. veto on it. Um, and, yes, yeah, Sonic Labyrinth say... was released. About, yes. about like, what you said, Hogas, about, like, the art. Like... Sonic has so many unique animations in Sonic Spinball. It's yeah, really Yeah, and the animations have a lot of frames too. Yeah. Um yeah, like as as a one one character, like I don't think Sonic up to this point had been animated as much as this with so many individual animations. So I think it's very cool. Even just like there's one thing that he does in the game that looks so smooth like when he when he flips up from a platform. Oh yeah. It, it's like really smooth and it looks like very very nice. And then there's also like the minecart um, when he's hanging off certain parts, I don't know. There's like lots of interaction he has with everything, and I think it's it's uh, quite gorgeous to look at. And I love the animation when you grab a, a master emerald in this. It might not be a master, just emerald. Oh yeah, when it he like emerald. jumps into the screen. Yeah, yeah it, when he jumps into the screen, we, should, it's very we cool. should probably mention about that game is um, I know that at the time there wasn't really a set like standard in the lore for Sonic. Um, but I do think, cause like, I know Sonic 1 has 6 Chaos Emeralds, and then 2 has 7, and then they've been pretty usually consistent on having it be 7 Chaos Emeralds from there on out. Except I do for, think it's... uh, Sonic the Fighters. Oh yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but Sonic Spinball really takes it to a whole new level, cause I think that game has 14 Chaos Emeralds. Oh, <laughs> okay. What were the extra colors? That's so bizarre. They were I don't think, I think they were all blue. Oh yeah, they're uh, all they green. Are, That's yeah, right, yeah. green. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think that it's one of the. I think like retrospectively, Sonic Spinball is a really cool game because it really shows this sort of interpretation of Sonic that definitely existed at the time, but wasn't really preserved in a game form very often. And yeah, I mean, yeah. I actually liked Sonic's little sprite in uh in. Spinball, because yeah, not only does it animate pretty well, but also it just looks a bit different than your normal Sonic. Yeah. It looks he's like he's like shorter. He look he he feels a bit spunkier. Yeah, yeah. He's more expressive. Yeah, I least yeah. like on the first level jumping down into the waste barrel, and he's got a little mm. animation where he paddles. Oh yeah, when he's like more. yeah 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 yeah. What I like to do was um, at the very first pinball stage. Like, the very first section, the la- first layer, because it kind of, like, it's like a layered-style game. The first board is there's a platform in between the flippers, and you can stand there. And if you stand there for too long, this giant mechanical dragon head will, like, oh, stick yeah, its yeah. head out and try to eat you. And what I would just do as a kid is I would just stand on it, and then the dragon head would pop up. And then, like, it'll get really close to eating you, and then you can push A to, uh, to jump out of it. 
and it plays a little jingle if you do that, and it's like, great escape! I remember that terrifying me when I was a kid. Oh, that, that little jingle with the pace! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's a very, it's a, not, it's a very stressful sound. It's, yeah. Sonic Team is very good at creating those little stressful beats. Not uh, Sonic Team. Yeah. Sega Tech. Oh, not Sonic Team. Well, it's close to Sonic Team, because yeah. it's the same studio that did Sonic 2. Ooh. Speaking yeah. of interpretations, look at Robotnik. He is terrifying. Well, it's the uh, Sad the version boss. of Robotnik. Yeah, it's it's very heavily inspired by Sad AM, so... But they're missing, like, the cone on top of his head. Yeah, well, yeah, it's weird. It's like a mixture of... So I guess you're looking uh, at the box art, but if you actually go uh, check out some pictures from the game, uh, he mm-hmm. does have that weirdly shaped head. Oh, uh, okay. It's like the bonus stages. Well, yeah. this is his bot or whatever. Whatever. Oh you yeah, want. That's yeah. The this is boss, the, yeah. that's that's the first boss. That's like Scorpion, Scorpio bot or whatever. It's also very creepy. Like, the game just in general yeah. has like a very hostile vibe to it, which now... again lines up with Sad AM being like the kind of post-apocalyptic. Like yeah. it's a very hostile world that the game is based off of. Well, now, uh, twenty. Years, thirty years almost. Is it? Is it thirty years? Since the game came yeah, out, roughly. Yeah, yeah, roughly. Thirty years. I'm looking at all of this pixel art, and wow, it's very dithered. Yeah. Well, yeah. every Mega Drive game has dithering. Everywhere. But this is like loads more. No, I mean, I'm telling you, man. I've <laughs> played. I've played a lot of Mega Drive games. It's a very common occurrence in the, those those titles, especially Western ones. That's probably it, then. They probably just, like, were inspired by other Western games, which mm. use this sort of style, and not really much the, uh... Well, I guess Sonic... I guess Sonic 2 would have come out, but that would have been... It. Yeah, like, Robotnik oh. is kind of terrifying, man. Like, the first... Uh, that bot is called the Scorpius. Weird, it doesn't have a robo in it. Um, the second boss is... Um, what's it called? I used to know this. The lava, the Robo Boiler, <laughs> where you, they, he's trying to boil Sonic alive, and there's this terrifying face of uh, like multiple Robotniks on it, which is quite scary. Um, and then the third boss is the Vegio Machine, which takes a step back because um, even though it doesn't have doesn't really have too much of uh, reference to Robotnik, it looks like there's a cat being electrocuted <laughs> in the middle of the boss and I remember that like kind of creeped me out a little bit when I was a kid and the final boss is Robotnik again and it's just called Robotnik's ship um, which is a bit more of a classic throwback to uh, Eggman's little hovercraft yeah. that is usually inside I mean that's the interesting thing about this game is that I feel like because of its crushing difficulty there's only four levels hmm so, I feel like 95% of everyone who has probably played this game has never made it past level 1. Well, to also, be it's a pinball game, so it's highly, like, it takes a long time to mm. get past some parts. Yeah. And also, that's for the electrocuted cat. I believe the third stage, the machine, is, like, Robotnik's, like, robotization chamber mm. where he turns them into robots. I remember, like, the pipes there are the ones that are, like, they they fill the machine with the animals, and then that's where they get electrocuted inside and turn into robots. 
So I think it'd be like cats that it would shoot into it and then they would get zapped. Yeah, I think I remember. Don't like vultures or buzz bombers kind of. Yeah. Clucks. What was up with that, man? In the first stage, it always like good. Like when it was when you got the first chaos emerald. Uh, and you go back to the first uh, board of the first level. For some reason, it would just always spawn these like chicken robots, and then it would always play this really loud like alarm, like this, bzz, bzz, and then the top thing would always say like "clock alert, clock alert." And as a kid, I always thought like it was really important that I'd have to take it out because it would be it was flashing like the message and making the alarm. But it would always just do that, and it really doesn't do anything outside of give you points. And I always was like, what the hell was the point of that? One of the characters resembles Scratch from Scratch and Grounder, actually. Little turkey flying bot thing. Um, another kind of interesting thing about Sonic Spinball, to me personally, I don't know, I don't know how big of a how how much you guys cared for it, but was the sort of HUD at the top, how it resembled mm. like a a pinball score display, and it always would just like I was saying with the clock alert, it always just like say the most random nonsense at times. I really enjoyed it, to be honest, because, like, it definitely gets you in the mood to keep playing the game. But sometimes, yeah, it just says, like, some random stuff. I like the charm that they put in it. I wonder who wrote the... all the different little things it says. Yeah, the messages are very odd sometimes. They're very odd. But it does give the game a bit more personality that way. I do enjoy it. It's definitely one of those games that does not leave a very great first impression, but the more you put into it, the the more you'll get out of it. I had a friend in my in my childhood days um, who was really into Sonic Spinball. And I remember he could even draw, like, the entire maps of the game, like, by hand. Just he memorized all the levels. And, uh... Yeah, I remember, like, thinking... Because I, I still didn't like the game at that point. I remember thinking, like, wow, I wish I could see what this guy sees in this game. Because he really likes it. But I just couldn't get into it, just because it's... It's very choppy, too. I think it is one of the few Mega Drive games to actually run at 30 FPS instead of 60. Which, um, usually frame rate doesn't really matter on old games yeah. uh, because most most old games in 2D they just kind of ran at 60 because or 50 if you're in Europe because that's just what TVs were tuned to so it just uses that so to have a 2D game on a platform that runs at half frame rate definitely made it feel a little choppier than normal yeah i don't know it's such a unique game and i definitely would suggest anyone listening who may have uh brushed it off because of its difficulty, to really just give the game a kind of fair uh, replay. Or just yeah, like, well, I, I mean, another... like it's, it's still a cult classic uh, amongst yeah. a lot of people, but yeah, anyone that's a fan of the mainstream series definitely has to give it a try. Because I also think that the game can be kind of enjoyed in, I want to call it like a masochistic way, but probably not that extreme. Um, <laughs> it is hard, because... yeah. Because, like, there's a lot of times in this game where you will work your darndest to try to get somewhere. You're using the D-pad to move Sonic the right way you want him to, and you're flipping at the right time, and he just... There, you, there will be times where, despite your greatest efforts, you'll just launch Sonic off back through the loop, and you have to go back all the way around through the whole course again. And it's very frustrating, and it can be annoying. But, like, I think if you're a type of player that can just kind of laugh at that and just be like oh darn you know just kind of um 
I mean, like, nowadays, I love playing games that just, like, punish me and, like, for doing one thing wrong. But, like, I, being a young kid, I could not endure it. And I had to wait until really? I was a little bit older. Yeah, like, I love it now. But I had to wait till I was a little bit older to uh, go through Sonic um, Spinball, uh, like, a full playthrough. I believe I waited. I was... It was when I was in the middle of college. Yeah. That... I finally actually did a full playthrough. And yeah, it's it's weird because I feel like the reason why this game was so hard is probably because of um kids at the time because I do know that a lot especially a lot of western uh Mega Drive games were their their difficulty was cranked considerably high. Another good example would be Echo the Dolphin because nice and those games those games are made very very difficult on deliberate purpose because right. of two main reasons um one is that older games normally were just harder in general at, at the time because like games were shorter than just in general in terms of like the amount of content yeah. you could put on the, in the game was a lot smaller so you would have to make your game harder in order to kind of I wouldn't say pad out the length but in order to get a little bit more time out of your game right because if you had well, someone, I remember games, a rumor from back in the day that Spinball was in fact as hard as it was, just so that the game could get padded out. So I, I heard that even yeah. way back in the day. And then the other reason why you would want to pad your game out is because, especially in the Western market and the American market, um, specifically, uh, game renting was very popular. Yeah, good point. So you definitely didn't like Echo the Dolphin is the example I bring up because that one has specifically been cited. The guy that made it specifically mm. cited that he made the game extremely difficult, specifically for the purpose of making sure no one could beat that game on one. Oh, that's rental. horrible. Because <laughs> I I remember as a kid like like where do I go? What do I do? This game's impossible. I remember those horrible. And I feel all of my friends had that same experience playing Echo the Dolphin. Yeah. Um, it, that game is also a very hostile video game. And yeah, I believe the point of it was so that you can't beat the game on a rental and then never play it again. The only way you're going to get through it all is if you buy the actual game. That's kind of what they did. I thought all of the, that strategy ended in the 80s, but I'm, I'm happy to hear that it, it lasted into the 90s. Oh, yeah. However, nowadays, with this game, Sonic Spinball, being released on modern platforms through things like you can pretty much find it in any Mega Drive compilation, um, yeah. any Sonic compilation except Origins for some reason will probably have it. Uh, it's in the Sonic Mega Collection. It's in Sega Genesis, or Sonic's Ultimate Genesis Collection. It's in Sega Genesis Classics, um, also known as uh, Mega Drive Ultimate Collection and Mega Drive Classics in uh, the European territories. And in all of those versions, well, maybe not the Sonic compilations, but in the Mega Drive compilations that it's in, you can use save states and rewind features, and that will definitely help tone down the difficulty for newer players that might not be so used to the crushing difficulty of older titles. Well, I just so finished it with accessible. the level select. Oh yeah, you could also just do that too. <laughs> But I do think that even even if you can't beat the whole game as it was originally intended on one credit or on however many continues the game gives you, you can still definitely comfortably go through the game nowadays 
despite its crushing difficulty if you use the various features that modern game compilations or emulators have. That's why I would still recommend, you know, giving it a whole a whole playthrough and not just because I I think I wouldn't be surprised if a large portion of people who have played this game have just played it, died in toxic caves, and then went <laughs> yeah. like, "This game sucks. I don't want to play it anymore." And then turned it off and never came back to it. And I think that's a bit of an unfair way to treat old Sonic Spinball. Yeah, sure. Let's talk about um, that. Um, I have to make a retraction, by the way. Um, there are not multiple endings. However, <laughs> the bonus stage is something that uh, may or may not appear depending on the way that you play. Um, so yeah. I think I mix that up, yeah. The bonus stage in particular is interesting because, as Holgas said, it is the only appearance, I think to my knowledge, in, in Sonic games in general, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. It is the only appearance of the Sad AM characters because you can bust open char- you can bust open these little capsules and yeah, right. instead of them are like Sally Acorn and like Bunny Rabbit and Rotor and Antoine. And I think that's like their only appearance in video games in the Sonic games. What well, Sally has not appeared in any other Sonic game? No, she's no. not the main character. She's she's strictly our She's Archie, Archie comics. comics. But I yeah, thought she's... like she would have bled into the games at some point, no? No. That Ooh. she's only in the bonus stage of Sonic Spinball. That's why this game's a bit special in terms of its uh sort of atmosphere and vibe is just because it's based off of a sort of interpretation of Sonic, a Sonic sort of uh, like universe, I guess. Mm. Uh that didn't really get a conversion into the games like that often. It would usually be a comic or TV show thing. And so like uh Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog got Mean Bean Machine and Sad AM got Sonic Spinball. And unfortunately, we do not live in the good the good timeline where Sonic Underground got a Sega Saturn game. <laughs> I imagine that. Um, speaking of the bonus, like Tails appears, like comes in from the top, which I think is pretty cool. I don't know if Tails appears anywhere else. I simply cannot remember. I think but he the, just flies the plane. The Walrus character. Do you guys know the name? The Walrus character. Rotor. Uh, Rotor. Rotor. Yeah, Rotor appears um, in the bonus stage, which is very interesting. And yeah. I kind of like the aesthetic of that bonus stage, like just Sonic strangely glaring at you because it's his reflection from playing the, the, the yeah, pinball from, machine. It's, it's like an actual pinball machine, yeah. Yeah, isn't that cool? Oh, so going back to music, like I really like the second stage's like very oh, Mega Drive-esque sound. I love Lava Powerhouses. Oh yeah, yeah. that was one of my favorites too. One thing that I would like to mention about the music before I guess we really go into it. Sonic Spinball is one of the many, many, many games on the Mega Drive to use the Gems Sound Driver. And if you do not know what that is, that is the Gems Sound Driver. Gems is an acronym standing for Genesis Emulator, or Genesis Editor for Music and Sound Effects. It is a program and sound driver for Mega Drive games to um, a blue okay a little bit of a history lesson here. Um, so for sound programming in games, um, you probably had to be a bit of 
Okay, you basically either to make a soundtrack in a game, you would have to do one of two things. You would either need to know how to program the in-game music yourself, or you would need to be a composer, and then you would give a demo track to a programmer, and then the programmer would transcribe it into the actual noises, um, the actual bleeps and bloops. And if I recall correctly, our man, our myth, our legend, Yuzo Koshiro of Sega and various other game fame, um, he's the guy that did the Streets of Rage soundtracks and the Shinobi soundtracks, and he even did the soundtrack to the 8-bit uh, Sonic 1. He was able to do both. He was able to compose his own music and program it in himself, and he was making the best soundtracks on the Mega Drive with, like, Streets of Rage and Shinobi. And um, the problem was is that he was one guy, and he was in Sega of Japan. So Sega of America wanted to make uh, Mega Drive so like songs and soundtracks to rival Yuzo Koshiro's work, um, but they didn't know how to program the music the same way he did. So what they did was they spent all this R&D on making Gems, which is a bit of a program and an interface program for composers to be able to work with making Mega Drive sounds the way that they want. Like, there's, like, a keyboard... You could, like, hook up, like, a keyboard, and, like, I think there's, like, MIDI... Like a, a wizard for making music, for lack right, of a better yes. term. Yeah. Basically. Um, and a lot of Western games used it. I don't think very many um, Japanese-published or Japanese-developed games used gems. It was pretty strictly a... Um, American Western thing. I mean, it's literally called the Genesis editor for music and sound effects. So, using the Genesis name there. And the Gems sound font is um, quite infamous in the Mega Drive fan community. Not a lot of Mega Drive fans like the sounds that it, it would produce because a lot of the composers for the games would just use the default instrument samples for each of the instruments oh right without tinkering around with it yeah they wouldn't tinker around with it so it would lead to a lot of very samey sounding songs between games yeah and even then the 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 instrument bases that they would use um didn't really sound the most appealing because again this Mm. is the mega drive it's not really designed to replicate um, a lot of real instruments. The Isn't same that way... why you think the Spinball soundtrack sounds so scratchy and it leans so far into that whole grungy yeah, sound? I think, yeah, I think, I think that's the case because a lot of gems... Uh... Here, I'll, I'll list, I'll post... The yeah, I see things. that Clay Fighters there. There's Comic Zone, Disney's Aladdin. Yeah, Comic Zone. Pretty My much, boy, pretty there's much... a Demolition. <laughs> Yeah, a lot. Actually, wait, let me see. Is Road Rash on Like, here? it seems like all of the Disney games use it. Um, oh, please see if Road Rash is on there. That'd be very interesting. Road Rash is not on it. It would be, oh. it would be above Robocop versus the Terminator, and it is not there. Um, so they, they use their own unique sound driver. But a lot of games use the gems, and Mega Drive fans hate gem sounds, but um, Sonic <laughs> really? Spinball... Sonic Spinball is one of the few games, I feel, that was programmed with gems to have a very popular soundtrack. Because I know the the joke that everyone makes with Mega Drive sounds, like the big the, mm. the big joke that all the Mega Drive haters like to use for the, uh, the sound chip, is they like to say that it sounds like a bunch of farts. Because you can get that very <laughs> bassy, like, very good. and so everyone's like, yeah, it just sounds like a bunch of farts. 
and not entirely wrong, but I think it's because like there's a lot of farty uh, instrument samples from gems, and I think yeah, like Sonic Spinball is one of the one of the games to really take the Genesis's very signature twangy sound and make mm-hmm. something that suits it. Because the Mega Drive is good for bass, bassy songs. It does an incredible bass, and it's also good for very harsh, um, like grunge or like rock music. That's where it excels. The Mega Drive, its its biggest weakness is in like trying to emulate orchestral sounds. Yeah, right. And, and that's why I think the big difference between the Super Nintendo sound chip and the Mega Drive sound chip is because I think the Super Nintendo is the opposite pro or the opposite problem. The Super Nintendo is really good at orchestral stuff, but if you want something really grungy or hardcore sounding, it doesn't really have the same. Uh, it doesn't really have the same tool set for that. Mm. Do you know about the um, the prototype? Like this is on the topic of music, but like the title theme was different. Um, yes, it was. Yeah. So like uh, the game was shipped out, and unfortunately, the ROM that was loaded in a bunch of the early release cartridges was the beta, and so there is a very much prototype version of the title, which is more classic of the dun 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 dun. Yeah, 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 because, yeah. Because it's gems, it's super like <clears throat> like it's it's pretty fun to listen to. I recommend you just search for beta version um, Sonic the Hedgehog Spinball. Well, and, uh, well the, we have uh, to yeah. mention. Yep. We have to mention it. We've got to mention it. The infamous, infamous options menu music so from like, Sonic I don't really know how it happened. I was going to say it's mixed improperly, but I don't know how you mix something in uh, on a chip. So, I don't... I, I, I am... I am going to be the defender of the options menu music of Sonic Spinball. And my best guess, because everyone likes to say that the noise in Sonic Spinball is very, or the options music, it sounds like Tesla coils, right? Uh, Very harsh, scratchy Tesla coils. My best guess is that's supposed to be an electric guitar, Mm kind of like doing electric guitar riffs. Um... I feel like that's what it's supposed to be, and they just picked, like, a really... I bet they probably took, like, an electric guitar sample um, on Gems, and then they probably tweaked it to just sound really harsh, and they were just like, ah, oh, this sounds great, drop it. Well, um, a lot of people have made, like, revisions, remixes, like, edited I versions. I don't know if it's supposed a to be bug or not. Because I, I know, yeah, that's everyone's like, yeah, I fixed it. It was, it was like a bug in the programming that was causing it this way. I don't know, because I feel like, I feel like it might actually be intentional. Because I don't think you could program that, listen to it in-game, and be all like, oh, that's not how I'm supposed to, that's not how I envisioned that to sound. Release it anyways. You know, I feel like they would have caught it if, if it was a bug. I think it was, I think at least, or maybe if it wasn't a bug, or if it was a bug, um... Regardless, I think the the composer of the game, it's uh, it's not Spencer Nielsen. Who was the Howard Howard Drossen? Was he the Howard Drossen and two others? Yeah, it's Drossen okay. and uh, who are the other guys? Barry Bloom and Brian Coburn. Um, Howard Drossen, by the way, while we're on him, um, 
one of my favorite franchises of all time is Baldur's Gate, and he compiles with a partner the music of Baldur's Gate 2 um, and the expansion pack. So he also that's... did Comic Zone. Uh, yeah, Comic Zone's yeah. OST. Comic Zone's OST is also very, very grungy. And you know, this all comes back to Die Hard Arcade, because he also composed the music with that. If you guys remember, we talked about uh, yeah. Die Hard Arcade a while ago. I, yeah, I, you know who I really want to see remix the options music from Sonic Spinball? Is I would love to see a T Lopes remix of it, because <laughs> he, it always seems like he likes to take some of the most infamous songs in video gaming and turns them into something um, very listenable. And I feel like, I feel like if he, if he gave his touch to the options menu, it would sound incredible. Because I think if you just replace those Tesla coils with, like, a nice electric guitar, because, like, if you listen to the actual, like, the structure of the song, like, you can tell that, like, the there's, it's, like, it's compositionally sound. It's just mm. the choice of instruments are where everyone has the problem with. It just sounds too harsh. It's too loud. Know? Yeah, that and, yeah, it does... You're just like, ah, Sonic Spinball, I want to see what's in the options. And you're just clueless the first time, and then you just get your ears blasted. <laughs> um, the the game itself uh, it seems like it has a pretty fair division of work between the three composers. So, like, I think some of the best stuff, like Toxic Caves and Lava Powerhouse, mm -hmm. was um, from Barry Bloom. And he had he wanted to incorporate a bit of jazz and funk into the soundtrack, which is why those two tracks specifically have consistency and they're a little oh, bit lighter them. on the um, what do you call it on the rock infused tracks. I really like um, the sort of breakdown that they have in the middle of Lava Powerhouse, um, where it's like in the middle of the song because you know the song's like do 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 mm. do do. It's after the like the do 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 and then just hits this like really funky breakdown where it's like boom 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 and like the the percussions going off. Ah, I love it. I love it. I love that part. It's so funky. I'm listening to the options right now. What's the part that makes your ears bleed? It's like the huh? What do you mean huh? You should know, like from the start. Right at the beginning, just <clears throat> like yes, just that, that. just that that instrument that just. Someone has made a comment under this. Um, if I heard this as a small child, I probably would have thought that the Genesis was about to catch on fire. <laughs> I think that's a pretty funny comment. It sounds like a. It sounds like you're trying to blend a toaster. <laughs> Very much so. Um, and then I, I'm going to be the one to bring this up because I feel like we could not do a standalone episode on this. Um, but Sonic Spinball does also have a 8-bit port put on the Master System in Game Gear. And oh, yeah, I don't, and it's I, don't I don't think that many people <laughs> played it. Um, it's funny because I played it right after I played the 16-bit version. Because I was like, I remember I played the 8-bit version a little bit in Sonic Gems Collection. And I thought to myself, 
oh, well, the first level seemed pretty drastically different. And I'm like, maybe it's like a whole new game because, you know, the 8-bit Sonic games are usually different from their 16-bit counterparts. So I was, I, I, I went into the 8-bit version right after the 16-bit version thinking like, oh, yo, this is going to be like all new. And basically, um, that game, to sum it up, uh, for those who have not played it, it is basically Sonic Spinball. Um, the map for the first level, the first section is different, but then pretty much everything else is pretty much just a scaled-down counterpart of its 16-bit version. All the other levels are pretty much just scaled-down counterparts of the 16-bit version. Mm -hmm. Um, it runs even slower than the already choppy Mega Drive version. Um, and if I recall correctly, it does have its own bonus stages, which are less, like, little pinball mini games like the old old uh the 16-bit version and they're instead more like actual bonus levels um yeah. with like i think you just need to collect rings and you get i remember having a lot of extra lives by the end of that game and i remember like it was the opposite problem of uh the 16-bit version the 16-bit version i thought was too hard and then the 8-bit version i thought was too easy um but too mild things of interest about the 8-bit port are... Well, there's a bunch of things I could say about this that, like, when you do a side-by-side -side comparison, there's a lot to talk about. Um, one is the box art for each version is very... They're very slightly different, but still different. They changed how Robotnik looks in the background. On the 16-bit version, he looks more like the Japanese version. And then the 8-bit mm. version has... Here, let me post for comparison. So this is the Genesis cover art, obviously, the one we know and love. Classic. And I actually... This, is, this cover is embossed into my brain. I remember thinking how badass Sonic looks in uh, yeah, the Spinball cover. Yeah, looks like the lava. It's a very nice cover art. Yeah. And then here is the 8-bit cover art. It's the same oh, kind of composition. Oh, wow. Yeah, it looks a little different. So to describe it, like, Sonic looks much more friendly, Japanese version, and you have Conehead Robotnik returning in the background. Yeah. But the aside from that, it's set up the same. The only thing that's really different is, like, their faces, which is very interesting. Um, And then the other thing that I remember being of mild interest about the 8-bit version is in between levels, there's, like, a weird map thing that tells you... It's like a, like a level title card. Um, I'm trying to pull it up here. And I remember just being really intimidated by it. Because, you know, it's probably <laughs> really? easier. Yeah, because, I mean, it's kind of scary looking. Uh, let me pull it up. If you're curious enough to play the 8-bit version of Sonic Spinball, I'd recommend the Master System version over the Game Gear version, strictly because the Game Gear version has a lower viewing window. Like, it has a smaller, lower resolution for its gameplay, so you wouldn't be able to see as much. I don't think it would really matter for Sonic Spinball. I think it can go either way, but I played the Master System version.
Oh. Uh, I just want to say one last thing about the difference in these ports. Like, I can barely even call them a port because, like, they're just like I don't know what assets you can lift from the 16-bit version that are replicated well in the 8-bit version. I can just imagine like some guy being giving the resources. Like, I just need to make everything from scratch because <laughs> they look vastly different. You know, what would say they're almost unrecognizable, but yeah, the port. This is this is the thing I was kind of talking about. Like, yeah. that, like the intro <laughs> thing. It's just kind of creepy, you know. This this whole game seems to have this running theme of robotic looking, that is horrifying very as heck. Creepy. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that in Sonic. Uh... To describe this to anyone, I would say, imagine Robotnik, but Death Egg is his head. And (laughs) it's terrifying. It's a a very interesting curiosity of a port, I'll I'll definitely admit. And I would say it's a port instead of just being like a whole, like, uh, ground up new game. Because, like I said, the, the level design and the same kind of mechanics are the same between. It's just very... Very watered down on the. Well, everything version. is just so scaled down. I can't yeah. imagine as a like a designer, like how heavily you scale everything down. Like, how would you do this and not just like draw it fresh and use the original as a reference point? I find it. I feel like that's probably what they did, but it's yeah, still, it's probably more of a conversion than like a new game. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it would probably like if I had a Game Gear and each the trillions of AA batteries needed to power it. Like, you <laughs> yeah. could probably you could probably spend a solid amount of car rides playing that game. You know. Oh yeah, I I burnt so many AA batteries playing my Game Gear back in the day. Oh uh, yeah, dude, that thing eats them like no one's business. But yeah, I feel has anything else anyone has to say about Sonic Spinball in any capacity? I feel like. Well, I don't think we've really been specific enough to say that the music is really good. <laughs> okay, yes, it is. It's, I guess, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's through this driver that no one likes, and it sounds funky and different. Doesn't necessarily mean it sounds good. But it, no, it, it's a great soundtrack. I really enjoy it. Well, I would say that uh, despite the game having mixed reviews upon release, I must say that the uh, gameplay and depiction of Sonic in this universe is still quite solid. The game, for me, remains a classic, and other uh, enthusiasts may agree with me. Um, I will give this two out of two thumbs up. Very cool. Thanks. <laughs> um, I... Here, I have no real... Uh... I'm trying to give this structure. I'm going to like... Can we all give our overview of how we feel about this game? I mean, I I don't know really where I'm gonna fit this in, but the the, the Japanese ad for Sonic Spinball is pretty pretty cool. Like, because I think the uh, the Japanese release of this game was a bit delayed by a, by a month roughly. Uh, due to it being made in the West. First. I love how they play the game at five times speed. <laughs> yeah, they know. It's Japanese cool that all those, uh, all of those Sonic commercials were preserved thanks to uh, Sonic Jam because that's where that commercial yeah, comes. That's from. old school. As for my closing thoughts on Sonic Spinball, never really thought the day would come where I would genuinely recommend Sonic Spinball as a as a game to people. But like, here we are, man. It's a game that I feel I really disliked. 
for a very long time, and I just really did not like it. I thought it was one of the worst Sonic games. Um, but now, I actually really enjoy it, and think it is a worthwhile addition to the Hedgehog's Mega Drive library. I think it's a bit strange that it's not in Sonic Origins, yet the 8-bit version is, so I guess, hey, if you oh, want to play the 8-bit version, yeah, well, yeah, because it's a, the Game Gear version is going to be sure. put in, because they're putting all 12 Game Gear games. Weird choice, that. Yeah, it's a super weird choice to put in only 8-bit Spinball and Mean Bean, but not uh, 16-bit, but... I'm so you give that. it two two thumbs up or one thumb up? Because remember the, the scaling and rating system we all agreed on beforehand was two <laughs> thumbs down, one thumb down, thumbs to the side. We didn't agree to any of this, by We the way. also agreed um, gladiator style thumb up or down, wiggly wiggly, and then two thumbs up, one thumbs up. So since we agreed I on would, that, what do you think? I would personally give it a one thumb up. I wouldn't oh, give it the nice. whole two two thumbs up, but I would give it the one thumb up. Nice. That's better than um, Wiggly Thumb. So, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, same, cool I guess. Ghost. That was very quick. Yeah, ditto. Yeah, yeah nah, uh-huh. yeah, nah. Okay, well, uh, very fun. We That wraps up the first game. What are we going to do next? What do you reckon? I like, which mean... game would we talk oh. about next? Um, I don't know. Also, holy crap. I just noticed that it's almost 4 a.m. Yeah, I mean, look, the preamble it's... was like an hour, and then we've done like two hours. A... Oh, really long episode. Yeah, actually the longest so far. Holy crap. I also have Are no you... idea. Okay, so you know when we were talking about Sonic action figures and like toys? <laughs> uh, you got to get into it right now. No, I'm not going to get into it. This is literally something that I had okay. on my... Uh... On my uh, Google search from that, and I wanted to, to. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to bloat the episode more than it was by just talking about this. Uh, but I did want to um, bring this up because I had a friend, the same friend that likes Sonic Spinball, that had these. Um, there's this really weird toy line for um, for Sonic in the mid 2000s, um, and it's a Sonic X toy line. It is the Sonic X Space Fighters, and I think that it's just a really interesting toy. Because, like, this is what I'm saying, is we could do an episode on just, like, the toys, because they they have, like, these weird um, Sonic, like, weird side brands for their toys. Like, this, these, are, these are, like, the Space Fighters, and, like... What is this? Okay. Yeah, they give, like, uh... Sonic give, meets like, Mega Man. Sonic characters like armor and like weapons. I had a friend who had these toys, and I remember thinking to myself, like, "What the hell goes on in Sonic X?" Yeah. Right? I thought. Does that any of this like, go um, on? No, okay. not at all. Not at all. There is there are space shenanigans, but not like turn into a space gladiator type deals. I kind of like the Tails one, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I mean, they're interesting designs. I remember. Wait a minute, we've discussed this before. We have. No, we haven't. Well, I haven't, but you two might have. I'm pretty sure that we covered this. There's no way. The Sonic X Space Fighters. Well, be sure to write in and let us know. I just think it's. I like how there's just Robot. He just looks like a green GameCube on, on, like, with legs. Oh, yeah, he's just Robot. Yes. Wait. No. <laughs> yes, we discussed it on Sonic Central's 30th anniversary live stream. 
What? What did what did we say? I wanted to bring this up because like I feel like this is like one of the Sonic things. Oh no. no. Um, no one really talks about or remembers. He is my source. Yeah, oh my god, we did. Yeah, no, I had a friend who had these figures, and I was just like, whoa, what game are these from? And they just weren't from a game. And they they seemed so cool to have as a kid, because it's like Sonic meets like Mega Man, or like Power Rangers or some shit. Pretty cool. And I was like, whoa. Shadow's got a sword. That's crazy. I guess they gave Sonic a sword. But yeah. Someone made fan art of Space Fighter Sonic. That that that's awesome. <laughs> this okay. This is never gonna end. I wanna say thank you to everyone listening. I wanna apologize to Holgast who has to edit this. Um but look I already ended. <laughs> I know where you haven't got the outro jingle. Oh. Yum, yum, yum. Another podcast in my time. Yeah. Since you guys uh, forced me to uh, say that every single time because you guys came up with that, we agreed beforehand. We did. We did. I appreciate it very much, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, signing out. I'm Normus on Twitch. I'm August, and we are once again not doing our socials. We don't need those. Wait, is the rule that we should have or should not? I don't think it matters yet. Yeah, it's, it's in like, the it's end. On the cannon, it doesn't even matter. Is that why you made that joke? At yeah, the pretty start, much. Yeah. Oh my god, that just—it took me that long to figure it out. Could Sonic be in a vehicle or not? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one actually. I like that. I feel like if you if we all agree someone has to play devil's advocate and you make the case for like that vehicles are better. That's great. I mean Shadow rides vehicles. They did give a like a reason why Sonic is in a car in the racing games. Because he has to pay registration and you you may as well use it. I mean, I wish that was the reason.